So we showed up, 7 o'clock, second story of uh, Southern Baptist Church in a classroom. And um, Rex, he starts just having a conversation uh, with Josh, just like back and forth, like normal, like me and you having a conversation now. And, um, you know, I don't even know if it really even got spiritual by the time that Josh just went from being Josh to telling Rex to get the F out of this place, that Josh doesn't want you here. And when <laughs> when I heard those words come from, like, the third third person kind of, it went third person, and that's when I, it went poltergeist for me, like, kind of mentality. Me and Lance looked at each other and literally, like, hit the floor, like, just, I, I started praying, because I thought, I didn't know what was going to happen. Robbie White reached a point in his faith journey where he laid aside all preconceived ideas of who God was and asked God to give him everything he had for him. From that point on, everything Robbie thought he knew about faith changed as doors to richer levels of spirituality began to open in front of him, and he began to experience things he didn't think were possible or real. Today, he shares many of those extraordinary experiences with us so we might see with clearer vision the power of God in our world. Welcome to A Stronger Faith, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to the experiences of the unmistakable presence and movement of God in the lives of everyday people. I'm Stacy McCants, and I hope you step into this conversation open to the ways God will offer to change your understanding of the spiritual life and fullness of His power, which is available to you. I love conversations like the one we have today. Please meet Robbie White. Robbie White, we were on a Zoom call because you run an organization that was going to help us at this ministry think through some stuff. You got a believers in that place, and uh, that's the reason I, I guess I was attracted to you. So, anyway, you got on the call with us to kind of help think, and we started talking about what we do. And next thing I know, we're in a conversation about the presence of God in your life, <laughs> and got to a point. It's like, hey, man. Uh, Robbie, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to come on. And um, yeah. you're a traveler and all that stuff, and it worked out, and so you're here. Yeah. Thanks, Robbie. Yeah, excited to be here, man. Good. Hey, um, and yeah, you do do a lot of traveling, your family, and uh, I think you were just, uh, I don't know how you got your RV to Hawaii. Yeah, it was uh, quite, a, quite a feat. <laughs> you got one of those James Bond convertible <laughs> ones that go through the water or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, I got you on a break back here, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, when we talked on the phone, it was, or on a Zoom call, you spoke of some pretty extraordinary spiritual experiences that, yeah. that I'll be honest with you. And even in what I do now, I, I hear it more yeah. because people know what I do, and they say, hey, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell right. you what I heard. But folks, just in general, we yeah. don't talk about this stuff. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. I mean, it's something, we, it's stuff we read in scripture. It's like, oh yeah, that happened back then or whatever. But I mean, not today, twenty twenty three. Get real, yeah. right? And and when I 
sit here and talk to an entrepreneur who um, is also a, a Jesus follower, and he tells me some stuff that's gone on in his life that he's witnessed or experienced. We just got to talk about it. So I'm going to try to guide us into hitting yeah. some of those, and I don't yeah. know them all, but you're just going to have to come through it. But hey, if I remember correctly, you were a pastor's kid. I was, and uh, in this deep south part of Alabama, a little town called Bruton, Alabama, full Pentecostal church, I would say, would probably be the best definition, uh, hated it. Actually brought friends with me on Wednesday night to experience the craziness of what we saw. I know, yeah. And what was that? What was that like? Uh, everything that you stereotypically probably think everything of a you stereotypical church. Yeah, probably everything you stereotype for running down the aisles, yeah. shouting that kind of stuff. Uh, so when my family moved, uh, my dad got a, a a new position with an oil field company. We moved here uh, when I was 13, and one of my, as a 13-year-old, you know, you give your parents ultimatums. So one of my ultimatums was, if I'm going to move from all of my friends, we're not going to a crazy church. We're going to a regular church. Yeah. <laughs> so they... But he was a pastor of yeah, the other one? Yeah, he was a pastor. and uh, But now he was full, he was full-time work, part-time pastor, so right. it was just a small, I mean, small... I would say country church uh, with like 30, 40 members. But when we moved to Tuscaloosa, we ended up going to uh, Flatwoods Baptist Church. So it was a more Southern Baptist tamed uh, church. All of my friends went there, thoroughly enjoyed it, had a great youth pastor that poured into me that I'm still friends with today and uh, thought that was going to kind of be my faith trajectory for the rest of my life is just a normal church experience. So you didn't have like a salvation or a, some sort of thing that happened to instigate your own faith in the prior church experience. No, um, I would say probably at seven or eight, the hellfire brimstone message came Yeah, and I went to the altar and, you know, confessed all my sins <laughs> all your seven-year-old sins <laughs> that's right uh but didn't want to die and go to hell was pretty much the that's you right. know the reasoning behind it so i would say uh, around 14 15 is when i really first had a heart conversion where it was just like i knew that there was there was more and i knew that i wasn't living up to what i needed to be doing and that was a continuous, I'd say, sanctification from the age of 14, 15 until today. <laughs> there, there was ups and downs in our, you know, my relationship with Christ. I went to college and did the typical college things and partied and uh, all of that, and then ended up with my wife today. She had moved back to Tuscaloosa. She graduated a year before I did from Auburn, and so she came home and— uh, Got everything. You know, she 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 fell in love with a faith, um, a, a body of believers at a church here called Harvest Baptist Church, and I saw something different in her from you know that period of time. And we went through a, a breakup where I didn't want to relinquish my freedoms that I had. And um, after about a year or so, I came around, and so 
ended up being the college pastor at a small, you know, well, it was small when we, a hundred or so members, um, within a couple of years, it grew to, I think, over 800 members. So now th- this is like college time or post-college now. Post-college. You said something happened at 15. Yeah. Well, I mean, at 15, you know, 14, 15, I was, you know, was sitting in church just, you know, like any other Sunday and just felt conviction in my heart that I needed to to repent and to get my life right and to, you know, to give it to Jesus. And so that happened at that age. Um, and there would be moments of, you know, like pursuing heavily for Jesus. And then there would be moments pursuing flesh. Sure. But, but I mean, I, I don't think there's some sort of demarcation that God has yeah. designed here, <laughs> but through your single digit years and on up into maybe the puberty time, I mean, you're just a child. Yeah. You, you know nothing. You, you, I guess you could have behavior that's technically classified as an adult as sin. Right. We have a sinful nature. Uh, I, I'm not convinced that an 11-year-old who dies is going to hell because yeah. of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's a an absurd way to think of an eternally good God. Yeah. And no, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And as you get into the, I don't know, 14, 15, 16-year-old age, you're, you're you're transitioning into young adulthood. We probably have different classifications for it now. But you're conscious of... The things that I'm doing are not right. Right. You're conscious of, <laughs> yeah. of good yeah. and evil in yeah. a way that that is important. And, and, yeah. and it's a place where we can understand this idea of potentially repentance and sin is effectively knowing the right thing to do. I think it even says this in James, uh, is effectively knowing the right thing to do. Right. And not doing it. Not doing it. Yeah. Right. And so you're more aware of that, uh, I guess, when you're in this 14, 15 range. But um, did you have some sort of a moment there? Did you get baptized or did yeah, you? Yeah, we, and, I ended up getting baptized. I don't know if it was right after that, but I mean, it was probably next time they had baptism at the church. Uh, I got baptized. And like I said, started out gung ho, everything, you know, do everything that I could to to live the right way. And just it was probably post college when I really developed a great relationship with the Lord where it wasn't so much focusing on the thou shalt nots, you know, like I I would say like, you know, as a teenager, that was more of the trying to do everything right, but God's sucking all the fun out of it. Yeah. Kind of mentality. There's um, these rules I've got to follow. Right? <laughs> that's right, right. And and, and it, I, I hate that we portray faith as rules that you must follow or you go to hell. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a, it's it's like, a wrong, wrong, wrong. It's a terrible way to think yeah, of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was post college when you know I transitioned into a, a relationship with Christ, and it was just a totally different experience. And um, you know, from that point on, that's kind of been my my growth in my faith. Um, and so we, when me and my wife got married after college, when I came back, I uh, became the college pastor at the at the church. It was experiencing phenomenal growth. I think it was the fastest growing Southern Baptist church in the Southern Baptist Convention. And I was a 24, 25-year-old college, or 24, 25-year-old young adult leading college kids. And so me and my wife, you know, jumped into it. I was still full-time doing architecture and this was just a part-time college ministry position 
And we, this is what I had shared with you, we, we did a Thursday night worship service at our church and just, it, I mean, it was just real good, authentic worship. It was young kids just going after after Jesus. And we had a, a service where after the service, a, a guy came up you know, and asked for prayer. I prayed with him and it was just different. Like he looked at me kind of when he first came up and said, you know, I want you to pray for me. And, you know, I was like, well, what's going on? And he's like, I just can't feel the presence of God anymore. And I was like, well, okay. I was like, well, let's, let's pray for you to be able to feel the presence of God. (laughs) You know, like as a 24, 25 year old, that's all I could figure out to, to pray for. And, um, he just stared at me the whole time, like, you know, like afterwards and just almost with like a blank kind of glare in his eyes, like almost like he was hollow. And when he got finished, he was like, I was like, man, I was like, what, what's going on? Like, you know, like how, how did you get here? And he was like, you know, can we go somewhere and talk about it? So after the service, me and him went back to my office and we kind of, investigated a little bit more to, to what was his story. And he was a musician and, uh, I guess a inspiring musician. And he had, he told me, he's like, he's a Robbie. He's like several, I guess maybe a, I don't know how, how long back he had said that it was, but you know, he had, he had prayed to Satan to relinquish his soul if he could be a musician so I don't know if that came from him talking with other people or I don't know how he got to that point to be that desperate to, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Literally like sell your soul, sell your to, soul to be so a like, musician. Like, like Robert Johnson yeah. uh, you so, know, at the crossroads. Yeah. So when he told, you know, when he told me that I was like, okay, this is, this is different than just praying for somebody for us, you know? Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and it was more along the lines of just the, the way I felt around him and the way that he just looked. And so I had, um, I had a really close friend of mine that was one of the partners at the architecture firm. And he he was a a spirit filled kind of guy. And he, his, his story was really powerful to me at this point in my life, because I was experiencing a lot of the things that he had talked to me about, but he came to faith in New, I think in New Orleans or Baton Rouge or somewhere in like Southern Louisiana and never had been in church all of his life. I think he stayed in a motel or hotel or something, got a Gideon's Bible out, started reading it, converted like instantly to like, I got to know this guy. Like, I want to know more about Jesus and became a believer like at that moment. And before he ever even got involved in a church or anything like that, he said he couldn't put his Bible down. He read it and went through it, you know, front to back or, you know, everything. And he was just going out on the streets. And he told me at this point, like, you know, casting out demons and doing all this stuff. And I was like, I thought he was crazy. Really? Never gone to church or anything? Never had any doctrine except the Bible. And, but he had the faith that if somebody, you know, needed prayer, he would pray for him. He'd pray healing. He'd pray, you know, so he told me this stuff. And I was like, at, you know, early on, you know, I was like, this guy's crazy. And then I have this guy in my office and I'm like, okay. So he was the first guy I called 
And I said, hey, listen, here's what's happening. I was like, I had, a, I had a college student come to me today and say that, you know, he had sold his soul to the devil to be a, a musician. I was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but I prayed over him. And this guy is just the coldest feeling guy I've ever met. And um, it would be like if you met a murderer on death row that had yeah. no feeling. And um, I was like, he agreed for us to maybe meet with him this week and pray, pray over him some more, maybe anoint him with oil. I was like, I don't know, holy water. I, don't, I was like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how this works. But I was like, I was like, this guy needs something. I was like, he really is desiring to feel the presence of God again, and he can't. And uh, I was like, would you be willing to, uh, to meet with us? And he was like, absolutely. How's Tuesday night, 7 o'clock work? And I was like, that's perfect. So um, another one of my friends, Lance, had, um, had just had a, an awakening where he had just came back to faith. And I called him up and said, hey, would you mind coming in at like 7 o'clock Tuesday night? We're going to pray over this guy. Kind of gave him a background on what was happening. He was like, yeah, dude, absolutely. So we showed up 7 o'clock, second story of uh, Southern Baptist Church in a classroom. And it was probably the same size as this room that we're recording this podcast in right now. I just had like a you know table with eight, eight, ten chairs in it. And so we, we get in there and um, Rex is the, the guy that I was talking about. And he starts just having a conversation uh, with Josh, just like back and forth, like normal, like me and you having a conversation now. And... Um, you know, I don't even know if it really even got spiritual by the time that Josh just went from being Josh to telling Rex to get the F out of this place, that Josh doesn't want you here. And when <laughs> when I heard those words come from like the third third person kind of so, speaking. So Josh is the guy yeah. who is, was the musician. Yeah. And he's from his mouth telling, is re, yeah. telling right. this guy yeah. to get out of to here. Get out. And he says, Josh <laughs> doesn't, doesn't want, you, want here. you here. Yeah. So when not, I don't want you here. Yeah. Josh does. Right. Third per, third, when third person. And that's when I went poltergeist for me, <laughs> like kind of mentality, me and Lance looked at each other. And literally, like, hit the floor. Like, just, I, I started praying because I thought, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I had seen movies, you know, I had somewhat kind of idea of, like, what this could be. And I, I want to say I, at least a good hour and a half, two hours, this went on back and forth with with Rex talking to to him, him talking back third person, sometimes talking back as himself. and. Couldn't tell you exactly what all was said. Like I said, I, I had not checked out, but I was I was really scared for what was happening. But there was some you know back and forth banter, and there was at one point where Rex was just like, you know, you have no authority, uh, and Josh doesn't want you here. And he, I think he got Josh to to say that, and then he you know he asked what what's your name. I think that was one of the things that he kept asking. And towards the end of this, and this is where, like, without having other people witness this, I would, I would, I would have told you that this is crazy. This didn't happen. But he starts screaming out names, 
and just when he did, these are the fluorescent lights in the classroom. They start flickering like, like I said, poltergeist kind of thing. What names? There were sins, like, like lust, masturbation. Like, I mean, he was calling out like sin names, like not like Belgees, you know, like <laughs> Balthazar, yeah, yeah. not, you know, like not some kind right. of like demon names. But those are demon names. Yeah, yeah. I, I've come to learn this, right? And having yeah. conversations like this. Yeah with people who have experienced delivery. And that's why I was interested to know when Rex was asking for names, yeah. did he give names? Yeah. They were, they were sent. They were just names of sins that I guess, you know. Yeah. So it's like the spirit, like I had a guy on here a couple years ago and he's like, a guy called out and, and said, what is, who are you? And he's like, are you the spirit of mockery? Yeah. And he like, in a crazy voice, like came out and said, "Yes, he had to. Yeah. He had to, had to answer, answer truthfully, right?" And yeah. and so, I, when I hear of names of demons, it's not some crazy, right? That's what I with was a bunch ex- of Z's and Q's <laughs> right, and stuff right. in there. It's right. It's That's like, what I was expecting to come was like some for you know, sure, you know, because I guess in the Bible, there's the you know the story where he asked, you know, in his legion, her, yeah. So I was expecting some cool kind of crazy name to come, but it was just those. And when he screamed, and he literally screamed those out. And how many? Uh, I would say at least four, maybe four, five, six. It was, it was, it was a, it was a pretty good bit. And when he screamed those out, the lights in the classroom like flickered like a lot. And he just, his head went down like almost like he was exhausted and, and not like, like surrendered. Like, I mean, he just kind of was, went limp. And Rex, looks you know looks at him he's like josh look at me and he look he holds his head up and he said do you want to receive jesus christ right now as your lord and savior and josh is like absolutely and prayed self you know prayed a prayer of salvation totally different guy i mean he came in as someone that looked like he was you know wandering in with no purpose and he left with like a guy that had just had his life changed and I mean that that happened in front of me, and Lance would be a great guy to get on this podcast because me and Lance during this period of time we experienced other things where if I you know they just didn't make sense at the time. It's something like made up. That's like a, the movies would like would have been made up, and and this and honestly that's why Lance was the guy that I called to come because we had just had an experience at his his um his, his house. I don't know how, you know, maybe a month or two before that. Like, so when Lance came back to faith, Lance had the same kind of situation where he just was, didn't want to have anything to do with church, grew up in church, had turned his back on church and uh, was going out and partying in the bars and living that kind of college frat life. And I I would, I'd say at least maybe once a week, if not more, I'd go by his house and say, Hey man, love you, brother you know, this is not the life you're supposed to be living. I was like, I was there. I've done this. It's not going to, it's not going to end well for you. I'm always here for you. And that relationship probably went on at least over a year or so like that, where, I mean, I was praying for him daily, meeting with him, like at least weekly. And eventually there was a Thursday night. He showed up at church to our college worship. And 
uh, I was speaking, and I saw him walk into the back of the church, and um, he sat on the back row, didn't sit around anybody, and as I was wrapping up the the message, I, don't, I have no idea what I was even talking about, we had the band come back up, gave an altar call, and somebody came up for prayer. I was praying over, you know, praying with that person, and um, all of a sudden, they're, you know, like, I get finished praying with that person and there's probably, you know, 15, 20 students around somebody at the altar and I knew it was him. And, um, and sure enough, it was him. And during all that period of time, like that, that had happened, we go, he calls, he calls me back up like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a week, you know, during the next week. And he's like, Hey man, this is like two, three in the morning. He's like, Hey, can you come over to my house and pray over my house? And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I think I have a demon in my house. This is Lance. Lance. This yeah, is the guy is that Lance. joined you and yeah. Rex yeah. with Josh. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah, getting, this, I'm getting the character. Yeah, right. and this, is pre, this, this was, like I said, like prior to the Josh incident. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, I go over to his house. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and um, I go over to his house. He tells me what happened. He was He, he was laying on the couch asleep and he felt like this heavy presence like on him he couldn't breathe and then all of a sudden there was like a like blackness went down the hallway and that's what that's what he tells me yeah i'm i'm, I'm tracking with you i'm just sitting here I, because we've had conversations. similar similar stories like that yeah we talk about caleb perrette in episode 50 when he invited dark Spirits force where you want. He asked for it. Yeah, and he's like, dude, when you call on that, it comes. It shows up. So, 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 so and then hang on, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Yeah. Is, I got, and I got a bunch of questions too. And then I had another person who had heard some very similar. Amber Compton. Yeah, I, re- I listened to that. Episode fifty five, yeah. and she had an experience where she woke up. And it was on her, and she couldn't breathe. Yeah, it's and the exactly, door, and the door slams exactly out. Exactly yeah. what you're describing. So when you say asking it in, so I, I start talking to Lance, and I'm like, "Hey, what's going on? These things don't just show up typically. I don't think, <laughs> you know." Um, they he had a he had a friend um, that was stayed over there a lot. They played this game called Ultimate Online. Yeah. And it's this was prior to mo- uh, this was you know computer game, but you still had a headset and you could talk to people. And um, they had a clan where so I think Ultimate Online was like a um, kind of like a World of Warcraft or something like that, where you have a lot of people playing. They collect stuff. They they build empires or whatever. And so they were in this clan. And Lance's friend, uh, his name was Josh, but this is a, a different Josh. His friend Josh was up one night playing the video game. At this house. At, at Lance's house. Okay. And Lance was, Lance said he was somewhat asleep on the couch. He wasn't really paying attention. The computer was, I think, in the living room. They were, you know, Josh was playing the video game. It was a Saturday, it was a Friday night. And their, uh, one of the guys that was in their clan was like, you know, hey man, I got I got to get some sleep. He's like, I got church all day tomorrow. And Josh was like, 
bro, it's Friday. You don't have church on Saturday. And he goes, yeah, actually, he's like, we do. He's like, our church is on Saturday all day long. And Josh was like, like, are you a Seventh-day advocate? <laughs> you know, yeah, like, well, like, which what? one of those is it? Yeah. And he was like, no, he's like, Church of Satan. This is a guy he's playing online with. Yeah, playing so online. Not, he's not with them in the house. No, online. And Josh was like, Church of Satan? He's like, what are you, he's like, what are you talking about? He, so this guy goes into some depth with Josh about the Church of Satan, what he's a part of, um, goes on to tell him that he's one of the higher-ups in the church. Um, he has hung on, like, na- not nails, but hung, like, they have hung him for, like, a long period of time, like, I, I can't even remember, like, some of the stuff that, that was detailed about how he moved up in the organization or whatever, but there was... He told Josh that they would portal, not portal, well, I guess maybe portal, but they would like almost um, meditate to a state. I think that's what he would, he would hang into a point where like he would meditate to a state of like unconsciousness or whatever. And he would go into another realm with demons and angels and they would battle. It was kind of crazy, you know, and Josh was like, dude, you're, you're nuts. Like this does not you're pulling my leg. And the guy's like, no, he's like, I'm in control of, of, of demons. And he's like armies of demons. And Josh was like, what do you, what can you do with them? He's like, I could portal one into your house right now. And it could tell you everything that's going on in your house. And Josh is like, do it. Are you there? No, no, I'm not there. This, this happened prior to Lance calling me and saying, Hey, I've got this heavy force. I'm feeling on me. Lance was there. Lance was there on the couch. And his his roommate, yep, invited uh, Josh, yep, different Josh, different not Josh, musician Josh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. different Josh straight. invites invites the demon to show that. So he's on, he's talking to this dude that they're just in the group clan with, and yep. they're playing together. Yep. He doesn't know any of this stuff about him, and he the guy's got to go because he's got to get ready for his church. <laughs> and then this guy gets inquisitive about it and yep. challenges him to transport a demon into 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 his his home from where is this guy at i think it was south carolina was where he was from uh i'm not a hundred percent sure but it was so he's a few states away wait yeah all right way away all right go ahead so some time passes i guess the guy tells josh the demon's in there and he was like you've got a brown couch he's like you've got a bookshelf with you know he starts calling out the entire living room and josh is like well, you're you can see it through the games, you know. Like Lance didn't have a video camera, but like Josh's thought process is like you're seeing it through the screen. Like <laughs> you've got some kind of you got some kind of way to do this. You're trying, you know. So the guy was like, "Well, go out." He said, "He's like, he's like, I'll I'll portal it outside, but it's harder to do it outside of the house than it is inside." But he's like, "I'll portal him outside, and I'll give you the license plate number on the vehicle." And so. Josh was like, okay, go ahead. Come, you know, the guy's like, it's, he's like, it's kind of blurry. He's like, you can't see it really well, but he calls out, I think it was like Lance's personalized tag on his car, like called out the letters of the tag. And Josh was like, okay. He's like, we're done. He's like, I, I, I believe, I believe you, whatever. 
And oh, and by the way, can you transport this thing back out? <laughs> yeah, didn't ask him. I don't. <laughs> he didn't he, ask him to do. I don't that. think he asked him that. Um, and so, but that was the the first encounter of that, you know, in Lance's house. I and, have not heard of that. And so, um, so this all happened. I wasn't even quite. I didn't know this was going on. And then the night Lance calls me, Lance informs me of, of all this happening. And I was like, man, I was like, dude, that thing's still here. I was like, you got, we got to, you got to do something. Like you got to anoint your house with oil, pray over it, do something. I have I don't know how this works, but I was like, you got to, you got to tell that thing to get out of here. And, um, so Lance is on the video game, catch it, catches that guy on the video game again, him and Lance start talking and um, Lance calls me and another friend, uh, Cole, and he's like, hey, he's like, I've got the guy online now. He's like, can y'all come over? And I was like, yeah, so, sure. So me and Cole meet Lance over at his house. Cole brings his Bible. And um, the guy on the video game is telling Lance, he's like, something bright just came into the room. He's like, you got to get it out of there. It's making my demon mad. He said this on the communication. On the communication, when Cole comes into the house with his Bible. And so, end of the story is, Lance tells this guy, like, we don't want this demon in our house. Like, get it out. Take it. And nothing ever happened again into his... the other interesting things about this guy, and, and like I said, you got to get Lance on here because Lance could probably give you a lot better details than me. But I want to say he said that within like the next few years that he would die, and that was that part, Lance would no, die. No, no, the 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 guy, online, South Carolina guy, South Carolina guy, so he could get his full authority in hell. He also said that he had seen battles with. Michael and Gabriel and I mean it was it was stuff that like I would have been skeptical of uh yeah prior to what had happened inside of Lance's house um so there again that had all went down and that was prior to you know to us praying over Josh and seeing that happen so all this was going on I would say within like a like at least a two or three month period of time and um, just cra- just craziness. All right. I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Yeah. I got questions. questions. Yeah. I don't even know what questions I have here, but something has got to give on this. This sounds like a movie, a made up. Yeah. Made up movie. All right. So I'm sitting across the table from a guy who is a person of faith who owns a highly reputable, super well-known business in the community, faith-based. And gosh, you're sitting here listening to him, and um, there's nothing. uh, Okay, so i got questions. Yeah. First of all. I'm not a crazy, charismatic nut. Well, there's nothing wrong with being charismatic. (laughs) That's right. right? You could could probably, you know, talk to 100 100 plus of my friends. it's not like my life, like not seeking that kind yeah, of. Yeah, you're. 
you're a dude who is reporting some unbelievable things that you've experienced that our culture doesn't have an appetite for. Yeah. I know people who understand the truth of the spiritual life and realm. Yeah. And if you believe the Bible, none of the things that you are describing are outside yep. of what is detailed and explained in Scripture. Yet, in our world today, we don't go for that. We don't yeah. We don't accept that. When we people hear about stuff like this, I I don't know that this sort of prayer or activity or or healing, if these sort of services are taking place in traditional denominational churches. Now, so the first question is the church that you guys met musician Josh in and did this, was that a Pentecostal church? Southern Baptist Church. Southern Baptist Church. Yep. Okay. And the Southern Baptist churches I've been to, those things aren't yeah, taking no. place in these so, churches. So when all this was going down, I had, ex- like, like I said, this was just a whirlwind of experiences happening in my life in a short amount of time. I had, was talking to leadership, some other people, and just like, hey, what's going on? Like, this is in the Bible. Like, do we believe that this is real or what are your thoughts on this? And I got feedback. Hey, that was for the apostles to show signs and wonders. That was for Jesus to proclaim his ministry. I got a lot of the, uh, I guess, theology kind of responses back, you know, and I was like, I would agree with you other than I saw it with my own eyes. (laughs) And it happened. There's only one problem. There's only one problem. (laughs) It's only one problem with that is like, I get it. I 110% believe you because that's the way that I want to believe. But I saw it and I can't deny what I saw. Yep. There's too many people talking about things like this actually occurring where I think we buried them in the past and and other times or other sanitized, I I call it sanitized versions of faith. And, uh, you know, I, I go to a church now that has prayer of healing. Yeah. Never a church I ever went to before would had ever had a, that I was aware of ever had any sort of service around healing. And Jesus himself (laughs) said it. He's like, you're going to do greater things than what I've done. Greater things than me. I'm like, what? You're Jesus. Yeah. How are we going to do greater things than you? Mm hmm. It doesn't make any sense. And people say, no, 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 no. He, he was God manifests himself. That's who he was. How are we going to do greater? It's like, I don't know, but he said it. Yeah. And the reason I think that we're able to do those things or going to do those things is because he lives and he resides yeah, in us Spirit. and he has yeah. given us the authority yeah. to do these things. My next question, Rex. Yeah. What was Rex doing? Was he just like cool hand Luke? Cool hand Luke. He not like, like I, been here, done that. Yeah, you're not we're shaking gonna, me with the light thing, right. and yeah, been here, done that. We're the gonna voice get, thing. Yep, we're gonna get rid of this guy, and just totally, you know, there, there again. I think, I think we discount what we don't understand, uh, and then we also shy away from anything that makes us uncomfortable. Yeah, why do we? Why do we? And I almost, think. Like a, I, like a, like magnets repelling themselves when we get to that part of scripture. Yep, New and, Testament scripture. And so when this was all happening, the things I guess you know, I kind of have ran away from as a child 
was very much real to me at this point, you know, and I was like, there's got to be more that I have just, so and it, it is a hard balance um, because there is a, a, a far side that maybe is too extreme. And then there's another side that has just kind of hidden 90% of what Jesus did. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, as far as, it's it was for then it's not for now even though like you I said just, he says that the you know greater things you're going to do and and you know I had I had a, I had a guy tell me this Stacy that was that was really good it was like so when when G, you know it's like you you believe in Jesus right and I was like yes I believe in Jesus he's like then you believe in the bible and I was like absolutely and he's like when satan's cast out of heaven a third of the angels go with him. And he's like, where do you think those are at now? And I was like, but, uh, good question. He's like, they're roaming around like a lion, waiting to pounce, kill, destroy, whatever. And he was like, you know, there's just so much there that like you can't deny on top of, you know, what Jesus did. And it, it's just, it's counter. I don't know. It's just counterintuitive if you believe in the Bible and you believe in Jesus, but you believe that those things were just for a period of time. And I would, I would have like leaned into that camp, but basically because I didn't want to mess around with stuff I didn't understand and yeah. I didn't know. Um, and, and, and and today, yeah. like it's still scary. Like it's one of those things. Like when this is happening in my life, I'm in I'm in my mid twenties, and I'm like, oh, it's game on. I start seeing everything in the, you know, like over spiritual. I'm like, oh, he's got a demon in him. We need to cast this thing out. Right. So it's one of those things where it's, <laughs> it is a, it is a, a discernment too. Uh, it's like a, you got to know when. And I think that's just walking in the spirit and just listening to, to the Holy Spirit. And, and when you see signs, when people, especially when they are open, that they're struggling with something they can't get rid of, they have a heaviness on them. Those are just, to me, like, tall tale signs of like something more is at yeah. play here, you know, or if somebody has an illness that they just can't break or a cold, you know, like a sickness. And there's just, there's just, I'm like you said, uh, it's, it changed, it changed my life. Now I'm not underneath every corner saying, you know, that's the devil, but at the same time, like there is a balance of listening to the Holy spirit and there's a balance of looking and discerning, where you're just like, okay, something more is at play here. Yep. And you don't have to go crazy, you know, with holy water and crosses, but you can say, hey, man, do, would you mind if I just prayed over you, you know, for this heaviness that you've got and like, let's just see what happens. And sometimes, you know, there's more, there's more there than just anxiety or, you know, something like that. There could be something a whole lot deeper. Yeah. Exposing that stuff there is so good. And, and I, I just want to encourage, people and myself included and i have done this and am doing it to even more of a degree now is to explore the truth of what scripture says about the authority given to us and and why right it's in there it's there it's not hidden it's not buried we have just put on a lens that we read scripture with that is just about us following rules and being better and it doesn't give 
credibility to the idea that there truly is a spiritual realm yeah. that we cannot see, that I believe unveils itself every now and in, uh, now and again in this world. Yeah. I've had people on here who have reported incredible things. And you know what we do for people like that? We give them medicine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We medicate them because we believe it's just hallucinations. Now, yes, I understand and, and believe that there are um, people have uh, mental things that, that happen that, that can be addressed that way. I'm not saying that right. everything, everything is a demon. Yeah. But just read the Bible. Yeah. Just read the Bible. It's right there. And, and read it in a way that we don't just kind of, when we don't, when we get uncomfortable with something that we read, that we just kind of blow through it. That's a that's an indication that we need to pause for a bit minute yeah. right there. That's a that's a place we need to stop yeah. and ask questions and ask the Holy Spirit to tell us what's up with this and and do some investigating because I I believe if we were to investigate and uncover the truth of this, yeah. all that's going to do. To bring light into darkness. Is like, bring light into darkness. Yeah. That's exactly right. I yeah. think of the enemy, uh, I, I think they're, one of their greatest tactics is to make people say, okay. Oh, yeah. You guys have lost it. That does. That's not real. Yeah. That's not true. That's not real. That was for the old. I mean, if, if I am, you know, if, <laughs> if I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I'm like, I'm, that's the thing I'm doing. Yeah. I'm going to convince people to say that it's not real. Yeah. And one of the things we do here that I love about this is I try to get people to talk about it. And, and I, I, say, I say this to guests before they come on. I say, look, when we don't talk about this stuff, it gives the illusion that it's not happening and yeah. it's not true yeah. and it's not real. And when we don't talk about the movement of God, it gives the illusion that God's not real and yeah. not moving. And so we do. That's what we yeah. do. That's the point of this. And this is just a... Well, when this was this stuff was happening, Stacey, I, um, like I said, we, we ended up... Um, I had a really good friend uh, that I became, I became really good friends with, um, and his name was Chris DeVitt. He was from South Africa, and they had um, he had an organization where they were training up, I, I want to say it's tens of thousands of pastors in Africa. I think it was called AFMEN as the organization. And he, I want to say he's probably, he's probably in his 70s now, so I met him for coffee. I talked to him, because... I was trying to just get some, like, hey, you've been here, you've done this, have you seen this? Like, nobody I'm talking to, they say it was for the, <laughs> they say it was for the, you know, the apostles and Jesus. I was like, it's happened to me. I, you know, and he, it, mentorship, you know, like reaching out to people who have been there to me is so valuable. Like he, he gave me so much wisdom. Like he shared stuff that he had seen and I'm like, why is it so different in another country? Because you hear stories from like missionaries where it's like, Hey, yeah, this is happening. But for some reason, like in the United States, we've almost swept it under the rug. We got a big rug, man. It's a big rug with a lot of lumps. And it's like, you know, in a, in, you hear these stories and, and stuff and, you know, like I was like, you know, I was like, Chris, am I crazy? And he's like, dude, he's like, you are not crazy. He's like, you are absolutely experiencing the power of God. And he's like, 
that guy got set free from a, a you know a then you get to the oppressed the different ver, you know <laughs> like definitions of it but like just hearing other people's stories to me is so empowering because it's just like okay hey this is a normal guy he's sharing stories with me they're real and this stuff is happening and this you know there again you know i've i've got several friends that i know now in the missionary field where that's just normal i've it's, heard that overseas it's normal, in- it's normal to see you know like and that's one of the things chris you know chris was telling me he's like robbie he's like i've seen a limb come out of a guy with a deformed hand he had a deformed hand they prayed over him he's got two hands and he's like it happened We're going to pause this conversation here and pick it back up next week where Robbie shares a whole lot more about how God answered and continues to answer his prayer for everything God has for him. But how are you responding to the experiences Robbie shared today? Are you skeptical? Do you believe that demons are real and active in the world all around us? Do you believe that God makes his power available today? through his followers, just like we're told in the book of Acts and many of the epistles? If you do, do you live your life that way? I'd like to challenge us all to go to Scripture and look for references to God's power through faith, the authority given to us to use God's power in this world, the presence of an actual devil, the enemy of God, the existence of demons and their activity in the world. Places like Acts 1:8, 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5, John 14, 12 through 14, and 2 Timothy 1, 7, just to get you started. I know that most Christians in the United States and much of the Western world distance themselves from this reality that is outlined throughout the New Testament scripture, or they think that that stuff stopped sometime in the first century. But if any of what Robbie and so many others on this podcast alone have shared is true, then the spiritual realm actively exists today. And we who are followers of Jesus Christ actually have God's power available to us. I wonder why so many of us live like it's not true or that it was only true in Christianity's infancy. So the challenge stands. Dig into Scripture and don't skim past the uncomfortable or the things that you've always thought or maybe even hoped were confined to the days of Jesus in the first century. One of the most critical steps in leveraging God's power in our lives is to stop burying the spiritual realm and come to understand the availability of God's power to us now through the teachings of both Jesus and the early apostles. If you read the New Testament through this lens, I believe you will be astonished at what you've always read right past. And you, digging into a richer understanding of the power of God available to those who truly follow Him, will only increase your faith in God. Thank you for joining us today on A Stronger Faith. Today was only part of our conversation with Robbie White. Next week, we will continue with more of Robbie's experiences as he details how God has drawn him further into spiritual truth and understanding. So set a reminder for next week's episode. We'll be glad you listened. For more episodes like this one, to recommend a guest for us, or to support this ministry, please visit astrongerfaith.org. Until next time, we pray for peace and a stronger faith for you and those you love.